0: Warning, this podcast contains adult language and is not suited for children.
1: It reminds me of the John Mulaney joke about the diner jukebox, because after what felt like 12 wild things with uh, a little bit of rancid Ruby Soho thrown in there, AW's Double or Nothing is finally in the books. And we're back here at the Squared Circle Sit Down to talk all about it that long, long show. So I'm Joe, he's Drake. Thank you for giving us a listen wherever you found us. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify. You can also find us over on YouTube at uh, search for Squared Circle Sit Down. Give us a like, comment, share, subscribe. We thank you very much. We appreciate it. You can also join in on any conversations. Tweet at us at Squared Circle SD. And getting that out of the way quickly because we have a lot to talk about. So... How are you feeling about the long, pretty good, but long show that it was AEW's Double or Nothing?
0: Well, I'm feeling pretty excited to talk about it because I got a whole lot to say, and because we have so much to say, I'm also going to tell everyone that this week we will be breaking from our fancy brand new format, and instead of having two episodes, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday, we will be doing a two-hour episode tonight to cover the 15-hour
1: show that was Double or Nothing. Yep, yep, because, you know, there's only so many hours in the week for us to talk about wrestling and watch wrestling, and oof, it it, it was long, it was long. I enjoyed a lot about the show, I did not enjoy a lot about this show, but there was a lot about this show.
0: Yeah, yeah, there was, and because we are trying desperately to keep our podcast shorter than the show itself, we're gonna kick off really quickly with the pre-show. Hookhausen versus Tony Neese and Mark Sterling. Hookhausen go over. No big surprise.
1: It was a fun little ditty of a thing. Glad that it happened. Yep, exactly what I th- I even speculated. I thought this would happen. Of somehow Hook beats the crap out of Mark Sterling, and you know Danhausen runs in and makes the cover. Yep, it, it is what it is, and they got there. They did what they needed to do. Hookhausen story of the year.
0: Yep. So moving on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we make it to the main show and here's another one that we're going to we're going to get back to this one later because this is important and because of all the news that has happened with MJF and what is going on, which we will talk extensively about coming up. Yeah, because
0: it's been <clears throat> a crazy week in wrestling. Ugh.
1: Where are the shirts? They're coming. They're coming. Uh, Prowrestlingtees.com for Squirt Circle Sit Down one day. But all right, so this was a squash. This was Wardlow comes in. We get the story beat that we absolutely were gonna get. Hopefully, either way, uh, Wardlow squashes MJF. Finally, gets his freedom, and bam, there you go, Wardlow. You're the Batista moment, right? Of he he's free from Evolution. He's free from Pinnacle. He is free from MJF. Wardlow is on the roster. Yay! Let's go, Wardlow. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh nothing really else to say about that. I mean, we'll talk about it later because it definitely has a lot of bearing on the main event and what we're hoping to discuss a little bit more tonight. So, uh, we'll move on then to the Hardys versus the young bucks.
1: Uh, whew. so this match is not where I thought it would be on the card way earlier than I expected. But and also went a little shorter than I expected. I expected this to clear 20 minutes and I think it just was just under that. But with so many matches on this cards, come on, please. Um, yeah, it, I, it's weird that I don't have a ton to say about this because it felt like they were going through the motions out there, yeah, until the Hardys just win.
0: Yeah, very much. It, it felt like there was no communication or conversation about this match beforehand. It was very much, you get your stuff in, and then they'll get their stuff in, and then you get your stuff in, and then we'll wrap for the night. Uh, it wasn't particularly interesting or exciting. There was nothing that really made it special versus any other match that includes the Hardys or the Young Bucks, which is incredibly
1: surprising, considering
0: this is the first time AEW's ever done the Hardys versus the Young Bucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know they brought up the history of how many times these teams have faced each other in other companies. They especially harped on Ring of Honor, which makes yeah. sense. But um, it's a weird one to to look at this and say, okay, fine. I, it's not something I'm going to go back and watch and be particularly excited about. I think I've mentioned before to you that I've been over the Harvey's for a while. Sure. Um, them as a team, sure. It, it's fine. Like It's cool seeing these matches and stuff. But this and and sure I'll actually give credit like three matches in a row counting the buy-in you have like a hot babyface moment for the crowd to keep them pretty much rolling from one beat to the next but I do think that's where I'm a little surprised that this match went on as early as it did because I think this could have gotten people invested a little more in something even even if this match was a little shorter uh later on in the night
0: yeah I th- I think that the I think it's pretty obvious from the first match on the card that the order of matches got shaken up at some point pretty late in uh, for, again, reasons we'll talk about later, but, you know, for most people listening, they understand stuff with MJF. Uh, that this just ended up being here because it was something different, something very particularly different from Wardlow MJF, which the next match, Jade versus Anna J wasn't necessarily going to be. Uh, so... I, I think that's why they did it. I also think they knew that they were going to go out there and just kind of go through the paces. And so why not just kind of get
1: it out of the way? Yeah, something I'll mention now that rather than later, I think I at a, at a certain point, I felt myself saying, yeah, I really enjoyed the construction of this card because it felt like you had your opening stuff and then you got to the tournament stuff and then you had like the title matches at the end. But there were a couple of things that broke that up in a way that uh, after I thought that to myself, like they happened. I was like, wait a minute, there's just so many matches left. Like, what are they doing? And that's why I'm questioning it now. But
0: uh, I have, I have a lot to say about the card progression and the match progression tonight and the order of things, but we'll get to that in our post pay-per-view segment. Uh, so I'm just going to sort of move us along unless there's anything else to say, but, Oh, uh, we should we should take a moment also <laughs> while we're speeding along to go over our picks. Right.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll just briefly go with it because there's matches that we didn't predict because they sure. were not final going into this. Okay. And some we wouldn't have even thought to predict at all. Nope. Um, it, overall, uh, we did much better than WrestleMania weekend. combined and individually i mean that happens when you uh, watch the show weekly (laughs) yeah yeah you'd think that right (laughs) that probably would have done even better if we had predicted these other three matches too but uh we both picked hookhausen yay uh neither one of us predicted anything for wardlow and mjf because that was not finalized yet and uh we you went with the young bucks i went with the Hardys. So. Yeah, well, serves me right for trying to, you know what, not going to do it,
0: not going to do it's it, we'll talk fine. about it later. But
1: you get back on the board with a win, as I keep rolling along, because we both picked Jade Cargill to retain.
0: Yeah, uh, this match was definitely better than I expected it to be, uh, not that it was, you know, anything to super write home about, but it felt good, and Jade with some new-ish gear that called back to her classic gear, which is a bit concerning on my end, considering some of the recent shakeups and the questions surrounding the Dark Order's position now, but we did see John Silver, and I think that's really exciting, uh, but also not the most exciting thing about this match-slash-segment.
1: No, I, also Anna J was billed as uh, the Dark Order's Anna J yes, on her yes. card coming in, so that was nice. Yes. Uh, I, I valued that because... Uh, I don't think Justin Roberts said representing the Dark Order or from the Dark Order, but little things. But after the match, after Jade retains, we get uh, numerous things happen, uh, which doesn't lead to anything right away. But okay, fine. We don't need more anything on this card. We get uh, Chris Statlander runs out to assist the potential beatdown from the baddies on uh, three on one with Anna Jay. And man, is she over! yes yes Uh, the revamped her with the promo package on rampage facing ruby soho really made had me thinking that she might actually win and go to finals yeah that they might just pull the trigger and have that push they obviously (laughs) didn't we'll talk more about that too yeah they they did not go that way but uh good good for her like if she can cut these promos let her talk it's Weird to me that we talked extensively about uh Serena Deev and Thunder Rosa. We'll talk a little bit more about them as we go on. Of man in the ring, not on the mic, please. Mm-hmm. But if Statlander can talk like this and carry promos and cut these cutting promos on her opponents, that's awesome that you need that, yeah. So, yeah, but Statlander's not the point of this because we are still not in this situation. The person that costs. Anna Jay, the match via distraction came out first. Actually, that was the debuting Stokely half the way. So it appears that he is going to be probably the new manager leading the baddies and Jade Cargill because smart Mark has kind of dropped the ball and also got his ass kicked.
0: Yeah, but, you know, honestly, very exciting. Stokely's fantastic. He never really, well, the one time he got the opportunity to do this thing in WWE uh, well, now he's here, which I guess tells you what happened with that. But is a guy who has worked his ass off to get himself over on like social media and everywhere else that he can, and I can't think of a better mouthpiece for them in the post in the post-show scrum. Uh, I believe that uh, uh, <clears throat> Tony compared them to uh, Heenan Bachwinkle, which is really interesting. Uh, and honestly, not something I can see as being inaccurate. But, you know, uh, with him and the baddies, I, th- I think Jade is continuing to just sort of ride this wave of
1: success. Yep, that's good on me. I'm a big fan of Jade Cargo. Yeah. So, and, but then, to even the odds, we got the debut of Athena, formerly Ember Moon, who does not get involved in anything. No physicalities. Bad guys. uh Well, I'm sorry. The baddies take their leave. And I guess the bad guy of Stokely. Yep. Is he a baddie too? I think he's a baddie, yeah. Yeah, he's a baddie? All right, we're going to count does, him as a baddie.
0: Does he have any kids? Because then he could be a baddie daddy.
1: Well, he's a baddie daddy now in my heart. Well, so, there
0: we go. Ask him the hard-hitting questions.
1: <laughs> it's what we do here at the Squared Circle Sit Down. But yeah, so... This, it's weird to, I don't want to, like, go off and just say, oh, well, the stuff after the match matters a little more going forward than the stuff in the match, but it does. Jade Cargill picks up another win, it's a win we pretty much thought that she would get relatively easily, she did, okay.
0: Yep, yep, okay, so moving on, next we have the House of Black defeating Death uh, Triangle, which, by the Finally! way, is this, is this our, ma- our favorite match of
1: the night for this one one specific thing, finally. Oh, I really liked this match. <laughs> I actually really liked this match. Malachi Black got to go off. Pack got to look like a badass. I enjoyed that. That's this, awesome. Yeah. But...
0: La- hang on. Hang on. Let me just say, real quick, so we don't have to circle back. This was a fantastic Rampage main event match.
1: Yep. Yep. Oh, that's... Hell, hell, this was a fantastic dynamite main event match. Yep, 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 Uh uh-huh, 100%. You know
0: what it it wasn't? Necessary here tonight. But I will forgive it anyway,
1: because... Finally! Finally. Uh, After what... uh, Man, just so much stuff happened in this match, especially toward the end of it, where you get the distraction into the low blow where it's like oh yeah he's a baby face and he did a heel thing even though his name is the bastard so like duh because oh, he but... was a
0: baby face he's only a tweener
1: yeah exactly at uh, best yeah and yeah. so he goes up top and the lights go out and who should appear julia hart who mists pack in the face and a uh, house of black picks up the win
0: yeah yeah uh they win now where it's important to have them go over because Julia's is here. So I'm going to take like half a second. Cause there's one thing I got it. I got to say about this. So first off, thank all the gods, old new good evil. I don't care that this has happened and we can move on. If we never ever, ever have to deal with anything relating to this again, ever, I will be happy. Second, please, can we be finished now? They don't need the win back. Let's just have Death Triangle be like, well, we lost. I guess we should figure out what we're going to do next or, or literally anything else. But please stop giving us these matches. Even if the singles matches between them would be amazing. I'm just I'm just done with this eight month long storyline. We didn't have to wait for Ray Phoenix to come back to do this, which is clearly what happened. And while I understand that they wanted to wait to have this very specific match in order to turn Julia, the reality is she only mattered in that last moment, and she could have done that without surprisingly having not been a part of the group yet. They didn't have to wait four months for this.
1: Yep, and it could have happened on a weekly TV show or on the buy-in, Yep, and and it would have been fine.
0: Yeah, well, they, did the, they were on the last buy-in, so they didn't want to just do it
1: again. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, uh, we get back to back. I'm going to reference they they both happen in a row of the two final matches yeah. for the uh, the Owen Hart Cups. Mm-hmm. I, wanna, I always want to call them the Owen Hart Tournament, but it's the Owen Hart Cups that are won. They also got belts. Well, Interesting
0: it's the
1: Owen Hart Cup, but the Owen Hart belts. Oh yeah, then both their names go on the same cup. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in in first, up was the men's. I think we have less to say about this than the women's. I have, yeah,
0: one, I have one thing to say.
1: Okay, well, Adam Cole has fuck defeated. Adam. Wow, Adam Cole, fuck Adam Cole, baby, has defeated Samoa and Joseph. It, I, we knew this was coming. We both picked Adam Cole to win. It, like, Darby Allen lost. He is he still had a match tonight for some reason, but he lost and Joe is coming in with the injury. This was a good match. Like this was a really good match between these two because they're just good in the ring. I'm not saying great. I'm saying good. I disagree. Really? I I do. I do.
0: This is so rare. I'm kind of excited, but I do Adam Cole. And look, I'll admit there's a bias. There's definitely a bias because even though I do enjoy Adam Cole, I hate Adam Cole right now. Um, Adam Cole, since showing up in AEW, has had the same match every time he's in the singles match. So, to me, this wasn't a good match. This was 12 and a half minutes of the same match I've seen Adam Cole have however many times he's had singles matches this year. In the exact same way, with the exact same pacing, and the exact same storytelling, with the same like spots, and the same transitions from one part of the like, narrative in the ring to the next the only thing that changed was the body type of the guy he's in the ring with that to me, that's it. And I can't call this a good match anymore. I'm, I'm just not interested in watching him do the same thing every week. Either he needs to start reaching deeper into his like moveset because he's got a great one or he needs to be off TV for a while. I'm just, I'm sick of watching him do the same thing every week, especially in this company where everyone cuts their teeth on having these incredibly diverse, interesting movesets.
1: Yeah, I I think I appreciate it more because of the the Samoa Joe side, where I felt like a lot of Joe's matches, especially coming out of WWE, were very samey. And I think, especially this week with him versus Kyle and now him versus Cole, I got to see more out of Samoa Joe than I've seen in years. And I enjoyed that immensely. So, again, I'm not calling it a great match. I agree with you the, with the cold points. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I, I burned out a bit on the Revolution main event of fair, him and yeah. Paige. Same. But uh, with this, yeah, I, I enjoyed it also, I think, because it was shorter. Thankfully. So that always helps. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Cole wins. Yeah, Bam. That's yep,
0: Yep, <laughs> Cole wins, not surprising. Okay, there we are. Uh, and uh, well, I'll reference that again after we talk about the next match, which is the Women's Owen uh, Owen Hart Foundation Cup.
1: See, match. It's, it trips you
0: up. Weird, yeah. Um, so Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. I yeah, have, we're, the
1: match we both picked Tony Storm to win.
0: Yeah, the match we both picked Tony Storm to win. I have a lot to say about this match, so I hope it's okay if we spend some time on this. Yeah, that's perfectly fine.
1: Uh, you want to start with the entrances?
0: Let's start with the entrances, man. The the entrances. Oh, my goodness. So I was for half a second really excited for Brit getting, like, a fancy live entrance. And then it A, was not very good. And
1: B, wasn't even really live. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, my it, goodness. It's a weird one. Now, we've had, like, this is not a one-of-a-kind thing, right? We've had lots of bad Musical performance entrances over the year. It's not just an AEW, but like you know, WWE has done them before.
0: Although to be fair, AEW
1: might have the the win for
0: recent terrible live entrances with uh, uh Cody's
1: Downstate. Uh, yep, very oh, bad. Man. Cool. Very very bad one. Yeah. So that's still something that production wise they need to get their stuff together and figure that out because this was a bad look, but they recovered really well. Really quickly with Ruby's entrance.
0: Yeah. So I I told you about this. I was watching it and uh, Brit's coming out and they're doing this. And I'm like, all right, fine. You let me down now. Now do Rancid. And like they had heard me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And they did. They did. Because they were just chilling backstage and Tony knew. Tony knew. He was like, wow, that looked really bad. All right, guys, I'll cut you a check. Get out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it was it was absolutely awesome. They did a great job, blew the roof off the house. People popped for them, which I honestly wasn't sure was gonna happen, just because you know it's rancid. If you're not our age, you don't know who the fuck rancid is.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think that I think there's more of a push for them at least with people knowing of the the Ruby Soho name. Mm-hmm. There was, I think, the podcast she did with uh, the the lead singer uh, Armstrong. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Uh, About like saying, "Hey, just take the name and use it after leaving WWE." So I think that story circulated enough of enough people would know, "Hey, okay, yeah, this is that's them. They care. This is important."
0: Fair enough, and it was it was great. They did a great job. Uh, Tom Tom Armstrong, the front man, has turned into Triple H, which is wild. But I'm I'm so happy about it. Seriously, go back and watch him. He he, he does. He just looks yeah. like Triple H now. It's great. Yeah. Uh, definitely made me feel old, but also I marked out really hard for that. They they showed up and they
1: started playing, and I was just like,
0: "What? That's so and,
1: cool!" And her uh, her entrance attire too. Oh, of loved the, it. The alternate Owen Hart colors of the the black and yellow with uh, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. It's just. Oh. That's awesome stuff. I don't think a lot of people reflect on that era of Owen Hart. Mm -hmm. Like most people will probably still put him in the pink and black in their head at least. But like that Owen was great. Yeah. Yeah. That's still,
0: I'll say that's, that's the, that's my favorite Owen.
1: Yeah. That that era of Owen was awesome. Yeah.
0: Uh, So uh, again, I have a lot to say about this match. So let's not linger too long on the, on the uh, entrances. Uh, It was a good match. It was a good match.
1: Ruby's best match in AEW perhaps?
0: Uh yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. Although there were some pretty ugly sharpshooters in that match. Yes. Um, that's true. Yeah. This was also not the the best women's match on this card, but you know, no, the, no. It, it's the middle, it's the middle women's match on this card, right? Uh they they have good synergy together. They work well together. They know how to go where they want to go. They tell good stories together. There and there was a very clear story here. With that said, this is the first time I'm going to bring this up, and it's going to uh, be something you hear from me a number of other times tonight. Double or nothing was a mission statement, uh, and this match is a very loud part of that. Uh, Britt Baker beat Ruby Pinder after like 13 minutes. Great match. I think the wrong person won. I think Same. the wrong person won. I think. I agree that they brought in Ruby and people have been really hot on Ruby and they're doing what the WWE did with Ruby, which was putting her out there because she's hot and letting everyone go over her, really. She's not on a particularly strong streak. You had her beat Statlander, which is also a, a kind of a big deal because Stat's another one who the crowd has really rallied behind. Um, but then you have her win here you have the storyline brewing with brit and jamie hater you have fatigue setting in if you go on any social media which by the way you know obviously vocal minority but still if you go on social media there are a lot of people who are starting to get burned out on brit you were a company at one point that had a big rotational aspect to your roster uh which was a great way to keep people fresh not so much anymore fine but if you're going to do that, you have to be ready to have other talent you can push, and doing this really drop the ball.
1: Yeah, I I think the only thing in my head that's saving this at all, really, the, the result for me, is the fact that there is that uh that storyline that I, I hope they pull the trigger on sooner rather than later between her and Jamie, and I,
0: I don't trust that anymore.
1: I'm not saying I trust that either, especially like how much we've griped over the house of black and death triangle feuding for the last 18 years, Mm -hmm. but uh, old enough for like Julia Hart to become a person, but like, come on, just so much of this. I, and I agree. We talked before this about how like Brit does not need anything to give her momentum. She's at that level. She's, uh, I don't think the longest reigning, but like she had a very lengthy uh, reign as champion and won it in good fashion lost it in good fashion had good matches along the way obviously is over with the crowd especially the closer you get to pittsburgh so awesome that's fine ruby yeah like this felt like it could have been an awesome moment for ruby and now it's just not so i i do wonder what they do for that as for the mission statement thing they said multiple times they loved pointing out the fact that they're like this is kicking off year four even though it's not the first episode of the tv show which is in october but like okay double or nothing is very much the state of the union for them so to speak it's the state of aw of okay cool here is where our year throwing it out in quotes starts our season maybe i don't know yeah that's a good way to
0: put it our season
1: yeah, it's it's like WrestleMania or the night after WrestleMania, like starting anew. And if that's how they're going to look at this, yeah, they made some choices here to say, hey, look, who are the two people standing up there right now getting their name put on that cup and getting these belts? It's the power couple of Adam Cole and Dr. Burt Baker. That's you, important.
0: You use the term power couple, which uh, leads me to something I wanted to bring up about this. There's one way that I see this potentially not being the wrong decision. Um, so, if w- it's very likely we can get a segment on, and I'm going to try not to like fantasy book too much, right? Uh, it's very possible that we get a segment on Wednesday with Adam Cole and Britt Baker where they do the whole where the power couple in wrestling thing, and you know, pull heat and do their thing. Johnny Gargano's been a free agent for a while. His contract ran out. He could have he could have gone wherever he wanted day day one. Fine. Didn't don't blame him. He had a pregnant wife. Uh, wants to be there for there. It's their first kid, right? Not I think if so. you don't count if you don't count. Uh, Indy. <laughs> yeah, it's their first kid. Wants to be there. I totally get that. But if Candice is ready to go, which you know, very unlikely but possible. Um then it's entirely possible they show up on Wednesday. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Tony really likes doing those, like, post-pay-per-view moments. Um, and <laughs> although we did get some new faces tonight, or uh, rather uh, on that night,
1: it was less than we usually do. <laughs> fair, fair. We did not get a uh, Tony Schiavone standing at the top of the ramp. And now here's our huge announcement for the evening. Our newest signing is so-and-so.
0: Yeah. So I think it's totally possible that it, the the idea here is they come out, they talk about being a power couple, and then a power couple who they have, or at least Adam Cole has a very long history with, shows up, especially since, We don't really have anything for Adam Cole to be doing right now. Kenny Omega is still not going to be back for a while, and we don't know what the next plan is for him now that he's won the Cup. But here's something that keeps him out of the title picture, that he shouldn't be back in a month after losing.
1: Yeah. 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 And I could see there's a decent number of ways that even if Candace isn't ready and Johnny isn't coming in right away, that you could buy some time with the power couple thing. There are other people you can keep them busy with. Maybe the whole Jamie Hager thing happens first and then you come back to it. So yeah. I don't think so, but it's possible.
0: Well, yeah. Because if that happens, then I think Brit turns face off that, right? And then it becomes weird.
1: I don't know. I don't know. There's too many ways that they can try to make this work. I we're gonna get to a match very soon, talking about like miscast people and what the hell is happening. So yeah, we
0: we can get to it right now if you want.
1: Well, just quickly, like a nice little speech, you know, uh, afterward about the whole like legacy of Owen and and all of that stuff. I just want to acknowledge that because this is the first time we've really had that uh, in a televised way in since the nineties yeah it was <laughs> so, and it was great it was great so that that's just a nice thing but yeah. I want to acknowledge the nice things when they happen no, but yeah, then absolutely. but then and I'll start this one with a nice thing too we get the, the men of the year and uh Paige fansant right hmm? versus uh Frankie Kazarian, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti yep in a mixed trios match where the men of the year. <laughs> still have their theme song for being a group which i am a big fan of i like pointing out the music so yeah that's, that's cool. don't like
0: transcendence music by the
1: way yeah um, it was very very generic stuff yeah that, it felt like I, generic noise could have been so much better yep. but but or she could have just come out with them but like whatever um regardless of that this is a match with six people in it and one baby face yeah and I enjoyed this match, but going back to something you said before, this is a Rampage main event. This is not even a Dynamite main event. This is a Rampage main event.
0: Yeah, 100% it, this is a Rampage main event. There's this nothing entire about-
1: story happened on Rampage.
0: Yeah, there is absolutely zero reason that this should be happening here. Whatsoever. Uh, it it was a filler match that went on way too long. It actually went the exact same amount of time as Samoa Joe Adam Cole. Went on, yeah, yep, and it felt I felt every second of it. With that said, I did dig the use of the Cody Vader. I did dig them coming out just as Maleficent and Birdman. <laughs> but other than that, I need this to go away and never come back. I'm I, very, 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 very very glad that this is over.
1: I want to give props to Frankie Kazarin just for playing his role perfectly. Whoever booked this and laid it out didn't make any stupid decisions in terms of like the logic of the baby face in this of, I hate my partner. My partner's not here for me. I thought we were cool and on the same page, but we're really not. But I, if I just walk out and we lose, then I can never challenge for this title again. So I have to somehow win the match with this dead weight here. Yeah. So I have, yeah. And that's what I have to do. And that's legitimately what he tried to do until he lost.
0: Funnily enough. Well, Frankie Kazarian is really, really good at playing that particular character. And it's kind of funny to realize he's done that, like, four or five times throughout his career.
1: <laughs> Damn, talk about being pigeonholed.
0: Yeah, yep. Uh, but, you know, uh, look, all of the stuff that happened in the match was good. Paige Van Zandt, obviously pretty green. She's doing her best. Uh, that's to be expected. Uh, the very stereotypical. I am an MMA person transitioning into wrestling, so I'm going to be really, really, really careful about my fake strikes because I really, really, really don't want to hurt you. <laughs> Happened yeah. a couple of times, uh, but yeah, this. The problem with this match is is always going to be, who the fuck are you supposed to
1: root for, right? Yep, cause because Kazarian is by no means over enough to carry it as the one baby face.
0: And even if Kazarian was over enough to carry it, you then are still cheering for another possible Sammy Scorpio thing, which no one wants. Nope. Although I also do have to say, God damn, I love that belt. Oh, it's nice, right? I love it. Oh, man. Love it. I'm so glad that they're still doing the custom belts. I'm glad they came up with a kayfabe reason for it to be happening. I
1: love that belt. Long may he reign. Yes. Yes. Uh, hopefully Miro comes back as a baby face. Yep. Uh, but still. And, and you know what? Just keep the vibe going because everything that you're talking about, like that tone is exactly how I feel about this next match.
0: Well, before we get to the next match, there are the two things. Ha- well, one thing definitely happens which is um, the Dante Martin thing, right?
1: Yes, yeah. Well, actually, it may have happened afterward because oh, I'm sorry. I don't know where all of these interviews were placed because there's, like, 97 matches, right? Okay,
0: then let's keep it rolling and we'll come back to this after
1: that. Yeah, I was anyway. just going to be like, we we could splice them in wherever. It doesn't really matter. But just, like, tonally, this next match was one where I'm like, bathroom break? Do I skip? Do I? What do I do in this situation? Because... It, it's the match that got thrown on the card we didn't predict it we you know honestly i just don't care i like both of these guys but, someone, but i just don't care and it's kyle o'reilly defeating darby allen which yikes for darby allen
0: yeah I have, I have two things that i want to say really quick and then like you can you can run with it however long you want
1: no i don't um, really have anything else to say i like kyle o'reilly yay kyle o'reilly won i like darby allen yikes darby allen seems to be on this like losing streak where we had him pegged to win the tournament, and now he's in a match thrown on the card to give Kyle O'Reilly a win.
0: Yeah. Um, the two things that I was going to say about this is A, it was fine for a Rampage match. <laughs>
1: um, Not even a Rampage main event.
0: No, just a, ra- a match on Rampage. And B, mission statement. Here we are, uh, one of those times where a very clear message is being sent, I feel like, with Kyle O'Reilly cleanly defeating Darby Allin um, in a match that was pretty short and is coming off of him losing uh, in a tournament that should have been a lock for him to an older, more uh, uh, broken-down version of what some people would call himself. So, uh... Yeah, we'll talk more about that because again, this kind of feeds into my whole my whole kind of overall take of this pay per view, which is the mission statement of AEW and what Double or Nothing means for this company moving forward. So we'll we'll talk more about the the specifics of that later. But yeah, uh, and again, I would have gotten this wrong if 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 I had known it was happening and we had had it on our predictions, I would have gotten it wrong.
1: Same, same. Yeah, I would have picked RB in a heartbeat. And now, with only four matches left on the card, we get into the real meat and potatoes of the show. Because it's the three championship matches and the one with everybody else on the roster in it. So, <laughs> Well, hang on. No,
0: because they would need a World War 3 sized match to have everyone in the roster uh, involved. But it was quite a decent show. All of the people who they are willing to give TV time to. How about that? Yep. Um, yep. But yeah. this maybe, as far as like wrestling and not sports entertainment goes, this is a match you could argue it for as match of the night.
1: I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, it's not my favorite match on the card. Fair. Uh, but I think it was one of the best ones. Yeah. yeah. And I- and it's not surprising. Like I've said it for the entire feud of okay, we don't need the mics in their hands. Just let them get in the damn ring because they're so damn good once they get there. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. um,
1: Thunder Rosa and Serena
0: Deeb did something that we haven't really gotten out of AEW in quite a while, which was just a a really good wrestling match, right? We didn't need big spots. We didn't need huge moments. It was just a really good wrestling match with an unfortunate uh, sharpshooter involved which also happened in the Adam Cole match, which also happened in the Kyle O'Reilly match, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was a very, very good wrestling match, and it absolutely lived up to my expectations. Would watch it again, probably will watch it again. Big fan. Hope they run it back down the line. Uh, but yeah, very, very happy with it. Also, props to Thunder Rosa for the entrance gear and for the shout out to the unfortunate happenstance in texas
1: yeah yeah props to her i I know that she is somebody who uh cares a lot and and represents that like we talked about like entrance attire and things like that you know for hangman and stuff uh, before but you know she's always been somebody who uh, culturally especially represents that in her attire and it's awesome. It's awesome to see. There have been so many people over the years that will vary up their look, and she's so cool at doing that. But then again, yeah, it was very much just a, a very good wrestling match where Thunder Rosa just eventually catches her and wins. Yeah, and that's how it goes, right? That's how you build the champion. Yeah, champion absolutely. wins. Yeah.
0: yeah, it was very good, and and it, it it kind of just happened, which I I really appreciated. There wasn't, like, this huge buildup to the finish. It was just kind of like, uffing, a uffing, a bam! Hits the Fire Thunder Driver. Match is over. Yep. Sure As it, it should be. Yeah, too many too many matches nowadays. Uh, I'll, I'll sound like an old man. Too many matches nowadays, like, telegraph the finish.
1: Yeah, get off his lawn.
0: Ah! All right. Uh, and again, we got that one right, right?
1: Yes, yeah, both of us picked Thunder Rosa. Yeah. It's way too early for her to just be dropping the title to somebody. And I love Serena D, but I don't see her being the person who's going to win the championship.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Uh, oh, first, 1st let's talk about the Dante thing, right? Let's talk about the Dante. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, Scorpio Sky post-match interview thing. Good riddance to Sammy. Uh, not having to deal with that nonsense anymore
1: uh, which gets a big pop
0: yeah of course it does because no one wants to see that again <laughs> uh, and then dante co- martin comes out with the weirdest like well just because sammy can't challenge for it doesn't mean i can't it's like well well yeah no one said that you couldn't Guy, yeah, and as far also, as I know, you're you- not
1: like sammy's tag partner or anything yeah. you- i don't think you've ever had really any interaction, any interaction with him with- like that so
0: yeah, I don't, I don't understand why that's relevant. Yup, y- yep, you can challenge for this title. In fact, most of the people who have fought for this belt and lost it have have done exactly that. Correct. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, excited for that match. I think that match is going to be great, and I am a sucker for
1: Scorpio's snap to block. Oh yeah, he's a uh, Nintendo Switch now. I love it. Yep, although I was like, wait, Dante Martin's dead now because <laughs> the lights went out and there's three of them and one of him, and we don't know what happened. Oh, he went to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> <laughs> he just much, blinked shadow, him out of existence.
0: Yeah, much like MJF earlier in the night, he has been cast into
1: the Shadow Realm. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so do you want to also talk about the Andrade yeah part of of this okay cool so andrade proceeds to shed himself of the andrade family office claiming that they're all losers they were losers when he even got them all right cool that's that's a wonderful look and then we get the okay go go but go. but then
0: we got the most important piece of character like growth in andrade ever when we finally got confirmation he knows what friends are. He knows what friends are, Joe! He called him his friend! He understands now.
1: And who is his friend, Drake? Roosh. Okay. No, I mean it, it's an okay thing. Like, I don't have a ton of experience with uh Los and Gobernables and, and their origin and stuff. Like, I know L I J way more than I know them, so So for me. There are two there are two thoughts that I have immediately. The first one is we're a month
0: away from Forbidden Door, and now we've got Andrade, Roosh, and Naito who will definitely be there. And I am I am dying to see these guys together because I am a huge Losing Ingobernables mark from like top to bottom. The other thought I had was uh Uh-oh, it's (laughs) Roosh. So, for those who don't know, Roosh, phenomenal, fantastic, very talented guy. Uh, Ring of Honor, world champion for a while, had some incredibly fantastic bangers. Uh, Probably the best luchador, not named Bandito, not signed to a major company before now. Uh, But, unfortunately, he has a very long history of backstage politicking. Um, even going back, like, even not looking at, at his AAA A stuff or CMLL or whatever you want to like his Mexico stuff. The problem that comes up with Roosh is he's v- not even just protective, but overly controlling of the matches he's involved in and is very rarely willing to take a clean loss that isn't incredibly overproduced. Uh, he was the first guy to kick out of Bandito's finish He had to take it, like, three times or something before he was willing to stay down for it. He very much is a politicking guy, uh, and if he's coming in and his brother, Dragon Lee, who is also incredible, is coming in, and Draglistico might be coming in as well, who's, I think, I forget if he's also a brother or one of the cousins, Um, the, the problem becomes that's a lot of power, or voices at least, to backstage politic, in a company that, and we'll talk more about this later, is starting to have what seems like some issues with uh, representation and presentation in their talent. And there, there are clearly some people who are disgruntled about that. And Roosh is not necessarily a good indicator of that changing.
1: All fair points, and well said. We will have to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, fingers crossed it works out well. But, again, we'll talk more about it later because it is another part of
1: a very clear thing that AEW seems to be doing. Yep. And I think we'll talk extensively about it uh, going into Forbidden Door.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I have a question. Should we just start talking about the next match, or would you like me to pull up Wild Thing and just play it a couple times and we can
1: move on? You know, to be honest, I don't know the last time I've listened to Wild Thing start to finish like that. And then to have it happen so many times in a row was just... Alright. I Okay. okay. This match may be my favorite match of the night. Oh, it is mine, hands down. Start to finish, I, I think. And I'll say this. like I know because I've said this many times before. The hardcore stuff, the blood, all that stuff. Like, I don't need that. I, I'm way more of a fan of the Thunder Rosa Serena Deeb, like bell to bell, have an awesome wrestling match, go. Sure. Right. This was so much fun and so creative in so many different ways that I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this was one... <laughs> So I, I obviously we've talked a little bit about it where I'm like this bastard, John Moxley, not giving us another stadium stampede. But this was exactly what it should have been. This was sports entertainment at its absolute finest. This was great. And I <laughs> I was dying for almost the entire match. I was laughing my ass off. This match was so much fun. And the music thing, I- I've seen a lot of people going both ways about it. right? Uh, and like even myself and my partner disagreed with it heavily because she was like, I do not want to hear this song anymore. Please stop. And I'm like, this is great. I love it. So you have a crowd who's been sitting through how how long of a show at this point, right? And you know oh, Probably they're, at
1: least six or seven days.
0: Yeah, yeah. and you know they're going to be here for at least another 20-something minutes for this particular match. And you know that they're probably burnt out after the last couple of matches. And you know that it's going to be really hard to track a lot of what's going on here because none of it's going to be in the ring. And it's really hard for crowds to watch things that take place in random spots in the audience. So everyone's gonna be staring up at the one of the the screens, unless it's happening right in front of them. So there's gonna be a lot of dead crowd. Well, where WWE would be like, great, pipe in some fucking sound and call it a day. They decided to find other ways to keep the crowd engaged. And I thought that was brilliant. You had the crowd seeing the song the like four or five times that it ran through. <laughs> It was going uh, the first time as it's going and they're fighting and it starts to like wind down. I'm like, all right, cool. That was that was fun. I really liked that. And there's like half a moment of silence, and then it starts again. And the crowd pops
1: so hard for that,
0: and then even harder the third time.
1: <laughs> and then the heat that Jericho gets for destroying the soundboard. Oh to man! Get it to stop which is just, it's awesome. It's its awesome. That, that's what I mean with like the creativity of it, of this is something that you did not need to do. It absolutely did not have to go down like this, but it did and it was great. And it's lots of the other spots, like there were some very conventional, hardcore uh, arena matches spots in this, like the, the diving off the ladders through tables and stuff like that. Okay, cool. But then you cut backstage and it's like Eddie Kingston and... I I forget which member of 2.0 and they're just, like, squirting each other with, like, ketchup and mustard. Mustard, uh, He paries him in the t-shirts at one point. Yeah, yeah. Like, so much of this stuff is stupid, ridiculous, but for fans, uh, our age probably is the best age for it of the wrestling video games where you could, like, go backstage and do ridiculous stuff and you didn't know what you could do. You just had to figure it out, but yeah. then there was all sorts of stupid things you could do, like jumping off of production trucks and what have you, and like stuff like that is it, it's amazing and it's fun, and that's something that I think gets lost in pro wrestling sometimes. Of just yeah. it can be fun, and that's I think what uh, dissuades me from this style of match sometimes because they don't have fun with it; they get stupid. This was like good stupid. This was this makes sense. But they know they're trying to get the crowd invested and have fun with it.
0: But yeah. they're
1: also trying to like kill each other.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and and they did. They cut a really good sort of middle ground between those two things. You had the barbed wire, which is like the John Moxley special. You had everyone. Well, you had a lot of people covered in a lot of blood. Uh, Chris Jericho is very bald now, um, which is wild to see you you had uh, all of all of them coming out just just like a boy band the Jericho Appreciation Society which was fantastic Eddie Kingston i'm pretty sure has like murdered Danny Garcia right daniel garcia uh, it is it seems like it he he's never came dead. back right yeah. yeah he's just he's just dead he's got dead and gone and we're never going to see him again it's very unfortunate he had a really bright career ahead of him but man does anything does anything work better as like a visual than Eddie Kingston, like a goddamn zombie covered in blood, stomping his way down the mat, like down the the apron with or the ramp rather, sorry, with the the gas can. Oh my goodness!
1: Yeah, yeah. And I okay, I know we talked before about like the finish to this of like the the heels going over, and we both picked the heels to go over. Let's we be did. clear about that. Um, and. I kind of like how they got there, even if I'm not a fan of the whole infighting of baby faces thing. Right. Sure. I, I'm never usually a fan of the infighting and baby faces gets the heels to just win because it makes the baby faces look stupid. But this is one where it was Eddie Kingston is just so obsessed with I'm going to kill him that he does not care about collateral damage.
0: So I, I think that this is one of those situations where, like, it just it feels a little bit frustrating to have it have worked out the way it did where Brian had to be the voice of reason after they've spent so much time being like, I just wanna fight and I just wanna hurt people. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, well I'm here to hurt people too, I'm gonna fucking hurt him. And Brian's like, Whoa, buddy. Let's relax for a moment. Uh and I understand the heels winning here. I know we're most likely building to like blood and guts, which by the way, if this is anything to like use as a metric, it's going to be fucking insane. Oh,
1: my God, is it?
0: Uh, but uh, I'm just... I don't know. It's it's another thing in the bunch of things that happened at Double or Nothing, which I think is why it bothers me more than it just being what it was on its own. Like, if a number of other things... If Adam Cole had lost the Owen Cup and Kyle O'Reilly hadn't beaten Darby Allen. I would have zero problem with this match ending the way it did is I think the best way I can think to put that.
1: I, in a weird way, I'm going to say this and I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to this match or these people, but this was a very long, well thought out filler match. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is absolutely all about keeping the crowd invested, letting them experience something completely different for 20 minutes in the middle of a wrestling show while also strictly being there to set up the next thing. Yep. Agreed. Definitely. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, but yeah, overall, so much fun. Definitely plan to watch it again this week. Uh, uh, very excited to do so. So let's move on to our next match, then. I have a lot of things to say in a lot of different directions about this match. So I'm going to sort of defer to you to let you go wherever you want to go, and I'll work off that because okay. I don't even know what I want to start talking about with this match first.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a lot, right? Like so many people involved. It's another yeah. one. Where? Okay. So we've got the, the triple threat tag team championship match of Jurassic Express retaining over Team Taz, which is uh, Absolute Reggie Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, and the new team of, what is it, Swerve in their glory? Is that was, what they're calling them? I think that's what the card said.
0: That's so unfortunate. You have the, the opportunity to be like Limitless Drip, and instead you go with us. I, and I feel like that's a miss.
1: Yeah. It's a WWE
0: yeah. tag team name, Swerve their glory.
1: Uh Yeah, they could have done that. So I'm going to call them Swerving Lee now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they... Yeah, okay. I enjoyed this match. I thought this was a very... You know, look at all the people involved in this match. Like, come on. Right, it, it, It's going to be another one if you watched the last pay-per-view of the, the triple threat of them versus um, the Bucks and Red Dragon. Very similar energy here of a bunch of people in the ring all doing their things. They know what they need to do. I expected more um, in a couple of very specific ways because I, I picked Jurassic Express to retain. I know you went with Team Taz because of the potential switch up. This very much, I thought, was going to be the seeds for something else. It seems like they had been doing that on TV of the Christian and Jungle Boy stuff. We talked about this before. I thought, at the very least, toward the end, I know it wouldn't be cheating because it's a, a three way match, so like anybody can interfere, but I expected like maybe Christian would do something that would help Jungle Boy win. And then Jungle Boy later could be upset about it, and that would further the tension at the very least. But we didn't even get that. We got, like, Christian helped by stopping somebody else from cheating, then got dropped on his ass. So, all right, whatever. But, okay, all that aside, I feel like that's, like, really nitpicking on a thing that I think is a fair point to make. But the match itself, I lost... Uh, probably a year of my life when Keith Lee took the to the air and you know did the tope to the outside Uh, I will sing the praises of Ricky Starks until I can't anymore Jungle Boy is Jungle Boy Luchasaurus played his role fine Um, Powerhouse Hobbs I think is underrated and Swerve is Swerve Swerve is great you know him and Starks I feel like could have a best of 97 series and I will not complain I feel like I've laid out a million things for you to talk about. So.
0: First. <clears throat> sorry. First. I don't think it's nitpicking. I think it's one of my biggest issues with this match. Um, so Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have been a great tag team. Uh, and have been fantastic tag team champions. You are clearly telling a story. You have the story in mind. You know what you're going to do with it. You're set. You You are in a position, in a place... Where you just need to decide to pull the trigger on what might be the last of the untouched four pillars. Right? And we'll talk I know I know we'll talk more about that later, but with Darby losing clean to Kyle O'Reilly and Sammy turning into Cody and MJF in the Shadow Realm, this is the last one. So you have an opportunity to do that and to enhance him by doing the story with Christian that you're clearly building to. The other people in this match are literally on fire. They can't get more over than they are right now. Swerve and Lee, putting them together as a team was a stroke of absolute brilliance, giving Lee the ability to do his big moments and then get breathers in between. Great. Using him as kind of a literal and figurative springboard for Swerve. Great. And they work so well together. The chemistry is great because their timing is the same. The way they wrestle their matches, even though they're completely different physically, their timing is the exact same. They're so hot right now, and there's no reason for that to to extinguish. Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs have been hot forever. Team Taz has been doing nothing but winning over the crowd and have been getting bigger and louder and stronger, and have never felt as much of a, of a big deal as they do right now. There's a heel with the TNT title that's probably out of reach for them right now. Great. The FTW title exists-ish, but it's it's been made very clear it's a prop to get them over and not a championship, which is valued differently from a prop in AEW. Great. Give him the tag team titles. Give either of these two teams the tag team titles. Pull the trigger on your Jungle Boy uh, uh, story. Have him do his stuff with Christian. There's nothing to lose by doing that. You're not waiting another six months till the next pay-per-view for it. Do it now. Make one of these other teams of relatively young uh, or Keith Lee guys into your new tag team champions because you have such a huge tag team roster. Do it. Do it. Pull the trigger. Move forward. What you did here was make the safe play instead. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that with the way the rest... Again, the re- with the way the rest of the card looks, I have a problem with that. You are making definitive statements about some of your talent. You are making definitive statements about the the ceilings for some of your talent. You're making definitive statements about what you expect your show to be and what your fans should expect your show to be. And here is an opportunity to make another big statement, and instead you let out what is, with all due respect, kind of a wet fart. It was a great match that could have put over a team that the crowd is in love with and continued to progress the growth of one of your young stars. And instead you decided to continue stagnation and that's weak, and it's especially weak here.
1: I'll say it. Great match, very disappointed with the ending. So I remember last time we talked about this, like in the predictions going into it, how, because uh, this this segues me into like the main event, which is the only other thing left. And for that, it's, we, I said like, maybe one of the worst things they could do is the the safe ending right it's just hangman wins and then nothing happens and it it might be the best thing they could do but maybe you know like overall what i mean for this card is looking back on previous AEW pay-per-views most of them not all of them but most of them have at least one title change or some type of like inaugural champion crown something like that and so looking at this one, I, in all my predictions, all my champions retained, right? Like every single one was champion retains. And coming out of this match, going into the main event where every champion has retained, I said, all right, this is either going to be one of those shows where it's very by the numbers, like kind of the you went with safety rather than actually saying, no, we're going to make a definitive statement and go with something else. Uh, we're going to make some choices and see what happens. We're gonna go with eh same old, same old into the next thing. Or they're about to do something here and I don't know what they're about to do. <laughs> Which does bring us to our main event of we we have a new champion.
0: Yeah, we do. CM
1: Punk. Yeah, we do.
0: This is the culmination of, of the night. Right? And in so many ways. Like, obviously, in the literal, this is this is where the night ends. And this is what everything's been building to. But in so many other ways, this is the culmination of the night. Uh, I think we have to go back a little bit and talk a little bit about Wardlow MJF here. Uh, because, to me, I'm torn. Part of me, looking back now, and having watched this match twice before we sat down to record this... um. I'm really torn. Part of me looks at what's happened the last couple of weeks and then looks at this match and goes, okay, this was the plan. This was the plan. This was the plan. They have, in making Hangman erratic and in having him cut the heel, like, attack a fan promo, they've been telling us in their way that he's not confident or assured of his victory. He's wavering because, if we're being honest... This is not the same kind of challenge that he's faced since winning the championship. This is not Kenny Omega, who he's a friend and a uh, of who he knows very well. This is not Brian Danielson, who you just have to wrestle. This is this is not a guy who the fans are on your side for. This is a guy who has been nothing but pandering to the fan for good or for bad. I don't mean it inherently a in negative context, but for good or for bad, has been pandering to the fans and they love him. They love him because of what he did before now. They love him because of what he said here. They love him because of what he's done here. They love him. So that's hard when you're Hangman and your identity has essentially become I'm the AEW champion because that's how I see my value. That's my worth is in winning this title. And now there's someone who they love maybe more than me. And so he's unsure and he's unsteady and he's erratic And so he tries to play the one-up spin game, right? Punk pulls out the punk shot. Okay, cool. He hits the GTS. Ah, ha, ha. See, we're even, but we're not even. We're not even because you felt the need to do the GTS. You should have gone,
1: yeah, but fuck
0: CM Punk. But Punk knew that wasn't what you were going to do, and that's why he did it. He's been doing this longer than you have. He understands it better than you do. And you know what? Yeah, he is a smarmy asshole, but that's kind of his charm. And coming into this, you have an amazing match. It was. It was a very good match. It was a very good match with a very good plot. And then the ref goes down, and you have to you have to make the decision. And Hangman goes, I can't do it. Just long enough to lose the belt. I can't do it. Just long enough. I can't beat CM Punk. I can't win without them on my side. I can't be the good champion anymore. So he loses. It's a story, and it's there if you look for it. The other part of me says, if this stuff with MJF hadn't happened, Heyman would still be champion right now. This was a decision made because now we've potentially lost one of the biggest names in this company, and this is... Not just one of the biggest names in this company, but a guy who I think most people, definitely us, thought was was the next in line to be the AEW world champion. So, what do you do? Well, Punk's only going to be around for so long. He's in the twilight of his career, no matter what anyone says. I don't care if he signed a 10-year contract with them. Half of it's going to be as a producer. He doesn't have that long left. And he's super hot right now. Much like what I said with the tag team match. What do you do? put the belt on him you put the belt on the guy who's super hot right now because he can always turn heel if you need him to because you can't get MJF back because he's a safe person to take the belt off hangman regardless of if he's face or heel because it furthers the hangman story because 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 there are a thousand reasons to do it besides this was the plan that are completely because MJF is no longer potentially an option and I'm very torn between those two. I'm very, very torn between which of those two is, is what, what happened here. But, and this is the last, and then I'll shut up and, and let you, you know, go off on this. Yeah,
1: shut up, Drake.
0: Uh, yeah, no, fuck me. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think I would say this. Coming here and sitting down and, and like, doing the the pre-show, like, discussion with you that we always do. And thinking, like, as we're talking about what we're going to talk about next... I, I don't think I would have said this until this moment as I'm laying it all out. I think they made the right choice. I I don't know that it's a choice I like or that it's the right choice for the company I want them to be. But for the company that they, they are and that they want to be, I think they made the right choice.
1: So I said to you in before we came on, I said there's two ways for me to talk about this match and that is the kayfabe way of the match itself, right? What happened, me as a fan, and then there's, okay, well, what is this as AW as a company? What happened with MJF? Is this a work? Is this a shoot? What's going on? Do they have plans going forward? Do they know what the plans are going forward uh, because of MJF and what have you? Uh, yeah, we talked about MJF is going to be the guy to dethrone Hangman, or if it's not MJF, it's Cody, and then maybe MJF dethrones Cody, or maybe Cody dethrones MJF. I think maybe in Cody leaving, Punk became the other name in that circumstance of instead of Cody, it might be punk, but then it still might just be one way or the other. Like that still kind of makes sense. Like if MJF is still around, MJF could be the guy to dethrone punk. It still works. Yeah, it's you just go there. back to Chicago. Yeah, it it totally could work. I don't know because I don't know. Um, and it's not the I don't know they're telling this really good story, because I don't know if they're telling a story. I, it might just be life happening and contract disputes and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Um, so putting that on the side for a second and going back to Joe sits down and watches this match. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. This was a match where. I really wasn't looking forward to it as much as I think most people in the crowd were uh, who flew from Chicago to root for CM Punk to win this championship or who have been diehard AEW fans who have followed Hangman the whole way. One or the other, like I'm going into this as like a, all right, I'm skeptical. I'm confused. I'm worried. I think I said that last time. I'm worried. Yeah. We both made that pretty clear. Yeah. And Going into it when they played the package and they both come to the ring and the crowd is going nuts despite being there for like the last three years. And they're just like waiting for that bell to ring and then these two to go at each other. And the story they actually told in the ring of Hangman being this guy who, he's at the top of his game right now. You know, he's in his prime. He probably can beat CM Punk. Like hell, he beat Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson's a better bell to bell wrestler than CM Punk right now. And I don't think anybody will dispute that. The everything that makes CM Punk the, I'll throw up the quotes for this, cause the tagline, the best in the world is the fact that he has the experience. He has this intangible, he can mess with you as you've laid out. And, and he's also really good in the ring. He's adapted his game as he's gotten older and been able to do all of these things. And I think one thing that people will point to with this is when Punk attempts the buckshot twice and falls down both times um, as like a botch. And yeah, it is a botch, but it added for me, like it added this layer of like Punk has hit a point where he's still trying this game of, if I can beat him with my move, I'll beat him with his move. And if I don't beat him with his move, he's going to try for the GTS. He's going to, he's going to be off his game. And that's when I'll get him. And it doesn't work because CM Punk is older. He doesn't have the gas in the tank that he used to have. He does not have the athleticism. He doesn't have his legs under him the way he used to. And I thought that's told a really great story. And then the rep got bumped and my stomach dropped because I said they're making a decision now that everything that happens after this moment is, I I don't know. I don't know. And this is going to change everything. And I was so happy that he didn't hit him with damn title because that I feel like would have gone too far down a lane that I, I think would have been a definitive hangman's a heel now. Uh, we're going to tell this story. We don't need the Dark Order anymore. We, we're we just going to do this by himself, right? And that is the worry. That is by far the worry that I had. And this kind of hesitance, indifference, maybe he still goes down that path, maybe he doesn't, but he had to lose the title to get there thing. Okay, okay. The story they told me in the ring in this match is... Far and away better than the story they were telling me going into it. Far and away. It's not even close. And if that's what AEW wants to be going forward, sure. But it's not what you're showing me on TV every week. And that's why I got worried going into this match. Because if you have guys like Hangman and Punk and Danielson and Moxley and so many others who are capable of telling these stories in the ring, bell to bell, you have to make the creative process to get them there make more sense than it's been making. But yeah, uh, me watching the match, great match. I actually really liked it. I'm genuinely, I'm kind of happy punk is champion. I, I, it's a weird thing to say because I was so on the hangman train and I still am like, I'm a big fan of hangman page. I'm a huge fan of guys when I'm not a fan of them and then they win me over and he won me over so strong. My, my, biggest, biggest worry in all of this is that people look and say, well, Punk is champion now. We don't need you anymore. And we don't need you at that level. And we don't need you to tell that story anymore. And we're going to forget about it and go somewhere else.
0: You just said the magic words, Joe. You just said the words that I want to spend most of the rest of this podcast talking about. Let's go. We don't need you anymore. We don't need you anymore. It's a, a phrase that I think is going to become... A terrifying thing within the corridors, the hallways, the locker rooms of AEW. We don't need you anymore. And I'm not talking about the like doom posting that people are doing about them letting people's contracts run out. I'm not talking about the the way that you know. Uh, I'm not even talking about like Stu Grayson getting let go, which you know I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm still very salty about and will be for the foreseeable future. I'm talking about something way bigger than that um so mjf we're gonna do you mind can we can we talk about this a little bit now
1: no we have to we okay. have to
0: yeah m j f no showed at a uh at a meet and greet and there's a lot of talk there was there's been talk for months um about it about mjf being upset about mjf not being happy with where he is um, and there have been a number of reasons cited, but it's been hard to pin down. There have been some talks about money, which makes sense. He doesn't seem to make a lot, which is obscene considering, you know, he, what he's been doing in this company. But he doesn't seem to make a lot. He wants more. Great. Tony's willing to offer him more, but he wants him to sign an extension. This is a completely reasonable request. Sign on for longer, and I will be willing to invest more money in you. Perfectly fair. But what happens when they don't need you anymore? What happens as this roster continues to grow the way it has, and you have guys who are collecting paychecks bigger than anything that you expected to see thrown around in this company when you first signed with them? What happens as more of these names come in, in the twilight of their careers, and get more screen time? You look at uh, Santana is another guy who is he's, he's talked about it a little bit on Twitter about the frustration that some people are having over the loss of their spot or even just the lack of spots for them. As we've been recording, I've been writing out a list and I'd like to, to read it to you. It's a list of names. Some of the some of the first few, um, I think there's at least an argument for because they're still getting some stuff done. But as we progress, I think you'll see you'll see kind of a a, a connecting thing here. Chris Statlander. Darby Allen. Sammy Guevara. Pack. The Lucha Brothers. Santana and Ortiz. Lance Archer. Jay Lethal. Private Party. Orange Cassidy. Penelope Ford. Nyla and Miro. These are all people, some of whom are still on TV, most of whom are not really, but some are. But even the ones who are, are not even remotely close to where they were at the beginning of this company's birth. Look at Pac, who maybe had the best match of 2019 with the Iron Man match against Kenny Omega. Quite possibly. Feels like a lifetime ago now. The Lucha Brothers, who maybe are the best... Luchadors in the world right now, both on their own and as a tag team, who had a incredibly short tag team title run that didn't have too many memorable moments. And then when the opportunity arose for Penta to do solo work because his brother was hurt, was effectively wasted. This is a guy who's a world champion level uh, competitor with a guy on the microphone who when he's not dressed up like the fucking dungeon master is all the mouthpiece he needs. And they couldn't figure out what to do with him really. Sammy Guevara, one of the pillars of AEW trapped in effectively talent hell right now because they couldn't figure out how to change a story to fit him. What is that? This is a guy who you went. He should be the TNT champion more than once. He should beat Cody. He's a guy who we have stock in, and we can't commit to him one way or the other. So we literally will slot him into the Cody slot. Santana and Ortiz. There's no reason they shouldn't have been tag team champions by now. None. None whatsoever. There's. There's no reason there. They've been here since day one. They've been working their asses off. And they're over. Every time they come out, they're over. But when was the last time they had a title shot? When was the last time they were involved in a, in a storyline that didn't have to do with someone else as the focal point? Lance Archer is literally a machine to put over your champions. He has an incredible look. He's a scary fucking dude. You can't figure out what to do with him? Miro? Miro, who got hurt, but then was fine before... So now he's all filming something. Great, fine, and, like, good luck to him. But Miro, you can't figure out what to do with Miro? Miro, who, again, was one of the most over people in the company at one point. Like... As a heel, destroying people that got hard pops was still over. Private Party beat the Young Bucks on the first episode of Dynamite. Did they have growing to do? Hell
1: yeah. Has AEW fostered that? No. Hmm. And okay, for Private Party, like I, I'll segue briefly, very briefly. Of I know they also dealt with injuries that did not allow them for this, but. but- two points to counter that of we saw what happened when top flight got broken up and the rise of the meteoric rise of Dante Martin. And, but then also you literally just had private party called like garbage and losers. Yeah. Yeah. on drive. Yep. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yep. Because they've been treated like stooges for another terrible storyline that continued to get TV time because you were spinning your wheels until Jeff Hardy showed up. And even before that, we're going, well, shit, I paid all this money for Matt Hardy. I got to use him. Which is what I'm the real reason that I'm bringing this up is, is for that. Well, shit, I spent all this money for this guy? Of course, I'm going to use him. AEW stopped using a rotational roster because when you're paying for guys like Brian Danielson, when you're paying for guys like CM Punk, when you're paying for Adam Cole, when you're paying for Matt Hardy. goddamn, if I'm paying these contracts, I'm using them.
1: I mean, as well, you should, right? Like, let's just, like, you know, business-wise, like, if you are going to pay these people, you use them. I I understand that. But to your point, it's the... And kind of to the point of a lot of people that have talked about this for months now, eventually, you're going to see the ramifications of a massive roster with so many names and roster bloat. You just are. You can't run uh, a three-month feud... Let's say, because that's for AEW, that's long in in when you actually have matches. Six months if you're never going to have matches with these people. But like you can't have a multiple month feud of champions versus challengers, one championship team, one challenger team against each other, just those two teams, and get the 16 other teams that you have on your roster TV time. You can't do it. You just, I don't care how many darks and elevations and whatever you have, it's just not possible. So when it comes time for like, well, when's our title shot? It's like, oh, well, currently you're number 14 in the queue. So 2024 is looking real good. And don't worry, you're signed through then. But we'll heat you up in 2023 to get you to that level for 2024 yep. and until then you'll get sporadic matches or you're the second and third and fourth and fifth in a faction supporting somebody else. I mean cool. I love Rapungi Vice. They're awesome. But like yep. when's the last time the best friends had a match? When's the, we haven't even seen Orange Cassidy. Well, like I know I know he got hurt, but still like we don't even see him. It's like he doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, agreed. And uh and and the other potential side of that is Someone like Ruby Soho. You come in, you're heated up, you're hot, and you exist to be enhancement talent. Sometimes glorified enhancement talent, sure, but you're treated like
1: a good hand. And, and it's incredibly I, frustrating. And I think that's why like, we were so surprised when you were saying, oh, it's going to be uh, Anna J versus Jade Cargill, because it's like, well, one, this has kind of happened already. And two, it feels like Jade Cargill has gotten to a higher level than... And Anna Jay right now and that's not to disrespect Anna Jay it's just like well you have all these women who are at this higher level and yeah alright most of them are in the tournament but you're telling me that like oh it's too soon for them to face and even lose to Jade Cargill but like why Yep. and yeah the women's division is a little bit of a different case with them but like not completely but the tag teams you can see it in spades for years now Of they have so many tag teams and you know when are you going to use these guys like i was the one who's saying all right you've got to have more like triple threats and fatal four ways and stuff with the tag teams just because like at least get them on the card come on but now it feels like they're finally hitting that point of yeah we have to do some triple threats because otherwise like you know one of you is going to get left off like who do you leave off do you leave off the newly signed Keith Lee and the newly signed Sawyer Strickland, or do you leave off Team Taz, who are getting over like crazy and are the actual heel team? Yeah, Who do you leave off? So they go with both. Okay, cool, but you're not doing that weekly on TV all the time. So, yeah, when's the next time we're going to see Lance Archer? I don't know. And I worry that
0: part of this is... Tony Khan having too many toys to play with.
1: Well, that's right? exactly it, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying really hard not to pin it on any one thing specifically because there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces we maybe don't know, right? And as as much frustration as you know, I clearly have over this, which I think I made clear, and I apologized for for getting as, as loud as I did at certain points. Like I, I'm pretty frustrated about some of this. It it does. It feels. I'm really reluctant to say this because even with the explanation that I'll give, people are going to latch onto it. There's almost a, a, a WCW TNA esque thing here. And I'm not saying that they're doing what they did not are going to collapse and fail, but there's definitely a, a thing here where they're going, here are names that you're right. Yeah. How can you not sign them? But by signing them, you're alienating guys who you have actively spent time building. We've talked before about how AEW is a different company than it was when it started. And that's never felt more true than right now. Right. When, if you, if you go back to 2019 and anyone who like has been watching the show and seen the trajectory it was going in and showed them this card, they'd lose their minds. What is this? What kind of fantasy booking nonsense is this? Is the first thing that you'd hear, right? And you you look at the the way things look now, and where they're go- they seem like they're going, and where they've put their stock. Yeah, AEW is a very different company now. And uh, again, to kind of follow that that almost WCW TNA esque thread, it's of course we picked these guys up. How do we not? But now that we have them, we have to use them. So what happens to the other guys who a big portion of your fan base loves and who are understandably going to be incredibly frustrated because they're, A, getting underpaid, right? Probably a lot of them. And B, are being told, well, yeah, you're getting underpaid, but don't worry because either we'll extend your contract and you'll make more money, even though you're rarely on TV, or we won't extend your contract. You're not really on TV that much. And eventually... Yeah, you will be let go, and no one will have cared about you anymore, and you can go do the indies and, I guess, work NXT if you really want to. And it's rough, and I can't fault people for getting frustrated about that backstage. And I'd be surprised if it's not something that starts coming up a lot more often, and the Cody thing and MJF now, if this happens, is going to open a floodgate for people who had gone, well, this is supposed to be the promised land, to go, well, well, maybe it's just another wrestling company.
1: I mean, yeah, right? Like, that's the thing. It, it feels like, uh, and I've, I've made plenty of baseball references. Apologies to that. But I think you can apply this to a lot of different sports. But it's the, you have somebody who you've drafted or, or, or signed, like, you know, in a developmental role. And you say, all right, we're going to get you and you're going to be our new insert starting position here uh, one day. And maybe they call you up and you start getting some reps, but then another team says, actually, we're releasing this person or this person's on the trade block over here. And they fill that exact position and they are an experienced all-star level veteran. And the team is like, well, we have the space, we have the money, we can get them. Obviously, we're going to get them. They make us a better team. And then they get them, and now that young talent is either back in the minors or just on the bench because they're blocked. Their position that they play, that they're there to play, is being taken by somebody else. And, yeah, that person is older, probably toward the end of their career, maybe even the end of their contract, if the case may be, and they'll, in a couple of years, maybe even the end of this current year, They'll move on to something else. They'll retire. They'll be a free agent again, whatever the case, right? And then that person will start getting reps again. But it's also the thing of you have to wait for that. And if you are not comfortable waiting for that, can somebody really blame you? No, not really. And and in sports, there's a little bit more of an understanding that, that like that's going to happen. That's kind of how these things go. And there's hundreds of years of experience with all the sports combined of how these decisions are made to not completely block young prospects. And if you are gonna block your young prospects, you may as well trade them away to be fair. You can get a better piece, maybe another prospect that won't be blocked and be a winning team now, whereas another team can use that prospect and they'll get reps someplace else. Okay, cool. Wrestling doesn't exactly work that way because we only have so many big companies that can hand out million dollar contracts. And WWE is in a phase right now where they're not scooping up people and they don't want to scoop up people that have a ton of experience already. You are either a top level main event star and they'll take you. Somebody with a massive experience in another world that will have crossover appeal or you're 20 years old. Yeah. That's it. That's what they want right now. And if you're, AEW does not have many of those things at all. So if you're leaving AEW, where are you going? And that's got to be a scary thing because AEW, as you said, was kind of the promised land for people who were saying, hey, I'm the person that nobody else has given a shot. And yeah, a lot of these WWE or former WWE Twilight of their career people were also WWE cast off. So I don't want to say like, oh, well, you know, they're being unfair, but this is a business thing of, well, how do you make this fit? And I think for Tony Khan, it's like, all right, you wanted to make all of this fit, but you took what you could get at the beginning. And then when more pieces became available, you just said, cool. All right. I don't need the prospect pool anymore. I don't need a giant prospect pool anymore. I could have a much smaller prospect pool and I'll scoop up the people who are pre-established names, and yeah, that feels a lot like uh, TNA back in the day, especially.
0: Yeah, and you, in doing so, you blind yourself sometimes to the talent who you should be focusing on. The fact that you have a guy like Darby Allin out here losing cleanly to Kyle O'Reilly is insane to me. That's that's nuts. It it makes zero sense when you've worked so hard to make him such a big deal, and Kyle O'Reilly, up until this point, is a tag team guy in this company, right? He's a tag team guy. He's been nothing else. Sure, he's had a singles match here or there, but most of them have been against other tag team guys. And then you look at the, the Owen Hart Cup is another great example. Tournaments are a great way to build your growing talent. So, obviously... Who do you have win, Adam Cole? Adam Cole, who already has has had two world title matches back to back, Adam Cole, who the crowd already acknowledges and is aware of and and already has their feelings on, Adam Cole, who does nothing to elevate this or be
1: elevated by it. Why? I mean, why defe- was- defeating Samoa Joe, who is another guy who is at the end of his career, yeah. who you could say many of similar things about and him winning would have kind of been similar, right? Like, yeah. not exactly the same, but similar. So, I mean, similar enough,
0: absolutely, yeah. He he gets no benefit from it. There's no upside to it. You could have had a guy like... Um, so Orange Cassidy's hurt, right? But yeah. you, you could have had... Uh, Ray Phoenix could have won this. Because, again, the only thing that was really relevant about the Death Triangle-House of Black match that happened at Double or Nothing was... Julia Hart, and you could have done that anywhere at any time. Before now, even, and have blown this off so that it didn't matter. You could have done something really cool like a Lucha Brothers final. You could have straight up had Penta versus Phoenix, two guys who, again, the brothers, they are not only are they brothers, they're your dream match. They're brothers who wrestle different styles, but still will never have less synergy than anyone else that you'll put in the ring together. Because they grew up yeah. wrestling together. Yeah. You do that. You you have Pac in this, in this tournament, right? Because how do you not? You have Darby in this tournament because it's a huge accolade for a guy.
1: You have Buddy has, Matthews in this tournament.
0: You have Buddy Matthews in this tournament. You have so many
1: options. For, or hell, put Malachi in the tournament. I don't care. But like.
0: Whatever, yeah. You
1: know, like have those things happen where. Where like you're going to take these people and just do something with them. Like you have all these factions where they represent something. Right. And they're all trying to win by beating each other, but yet none of them are in this tournament. Yeah. Cause just conveniently they're not except, you know, the undisputed elite, but that's it. Yeah. The, the, the guys who don't need it. I'm sorry, but it's true. They don't, they don't. And, and to be fair, like lots of these people don't need it but in the context of AEW what else are they doing?
0: Well, and to
1: your point Adam Cole is a guy who seems to be doing everything every week. Uh-huh. He has singles matches, he has tag matches, he has like faction versus faction matches, he has promo segments, he has mixed tag matches. You know, he has feuds consistently and I again to the point before, there's nothing wrong with saying like you're gonna heat up Adam Cole because you paid to get Adam Cole. I get that that's fine but if you are going to say like well cm punk has to be on the show and adam cole has to be on the show and you know insert all these all the champions have to be on the show blah 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 all this stuff then it turns into well who are they feuding with and there's only so many slots available and if some of them are feuding with each other okay those slots are taken (laughs) so where does everybody else go dark elevation you get cycled in in 2023
0: Um, I think that there are, there are still some really good places that they can go as a company from here. Um, like easily, easily, it's not even like difficult. Uh, things like Punk being the champion doesn't have to be a bad thing. Things like, although, again, I'll I'll say it, I could have gone my whole career uh, career, I could have gone his whole career without him winning the world title in AEW and been happy with it. Uh, because he didn't didn't need it but again if you're going to do it this is the time to do it because this is the right choice for what you're doing with your company now AEW is making a commitment to be a more a wrestling show that is more akin to what the former mainstream wrestling shows were versus trying to take the style of storytelling and matchmaking and presentation that they did before, now, and elevate it, And because of that, the people who are getting screen time are getting screen time. And the people who are not, are not. I think a year from now, two years from now, A, the company is going to look very different again. And B, I think every company is going to look very different. I think we're on the precipice. We're two years out from a lot of people, I think, making moves. Not necessarily an exodus, like, like New Japan level of, of where, fuck you, we're leaving to start Noah, but but I, I think we're going to see it. And I think, uh, whereas 6, 8, 12 months ago, to be like, oh yeah, the door works both ways, from like AEW and WWE, would have sounded ridiculous. In a year, I don't think it will. I think it'll just kind of be how it works. But it doesn't have to necessarily be a bad thing. I th- I still think they're the best wrestling on TV right now, especially in the U S this might very well be the death of something very special, but it's not the death of the
1: company. If
0: that makes no, sense. no,
1: we are far from the death of the company yeah, no, at yeah. this stage, but it does turn into the thing of, okay, the bloated roster gets trimmed by one way or another we knew that was going to happen. There's no possible way that that's sustainable, even with ROH becoming its own thing, hopefully someday, maybe, mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, I think that will help as well. But fingers crossed that's being optimistic, maybe. Regardless of that, when the bigger thing is when the roster does get trimmed down, be it people not signing again or not being offered new contracts, is it the thing of, well, I hated my time there. I was miserable because they treated me like garbage and never used me. Or is it the no? Okay, I understand why this happened, and you know we're we're just gonna have to like move on from here. But this is like it's a business decision. I understand. It makes sense. Okay, cool. Maybe I will come back one day when they have more of a roster spot opening, and it makes creative sense. Okay, cool. Um, That's I think the bigger thing where a lot of the companies, you know, you mentioned WCW and you know, WWF in the 90s, that was like so cutthroat in terms of, you know, contract sabotage and jumping back and forth and all of that stuff where their bridges were burned all over the place. People were manipulated all over the place. This is something where it's, hopefully they don't do that. Hopefully it becomes more of an understanding of, okay, cool, you're here for this contract. We try to use you to the best of our ability because we've eventually realized that this blaster is too goddamn big and you're here you actually have a spot here let's go and then you may not get brought back at the end of that contract but we'll see it's more of a like we'll see what happens when we get there as opposed to tony scooping up everybody and then realizing that he can't hold everybody so he's dropping people but also in another thing like because we forgot by this point of uh we have two AEW pay-per-views now. Uh, do you want to rank them?
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, I will say um, uh, another positive for this card, since we're going to go back and talk about this card for a moment. Um, the production values on this show were better than, I think, any AEW pay-per-view up until now. Uh, the camera work was fantastic. The crowd was mic'd very well. Everything was looked, sounded, and was gorgeous. Great work for them on that.
1: Okay, so yeah, let's rank it. Okay, so we only have two to rank. It's revolution and double or nothing. <laughs> AW makes this so much easier. We already have six for WWE. Two of them were the same show technically. Uh, three of them were the same show technically. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. So what do you think? Um I I think this is number two. Yep. I think revolution's number one and this is number two. I have to agree. I yeah, I agree. could make a case for it of just there are matches that I still remember from revolution and are going to be on my short list for match of the year. Yeah. I don't know if any matches from this show are going to be on my match of the year short list. I'm not saying they were bad, just, I don't know at this point in time. I don't know.
0: Anarchy was pretty fun. (laughs) It was.
1: And I'm going to remember it. And I think um, much like I said before, if we go back in right after Kyle and Darby, and you start the show at Rosa and Deeb and just let it play to the end, I think that's where I rewatch. I just rewatch from there and I can just leave it on. I don't have to skip stuff. You know, them last four matches, I enjoyed them. I may not agree with everything. I may question some decisions (laughs) and I may uh, sour on them as time goes by, depending upon what happens from there. But as it stands right now, yeah, uh, but Revolution, I can still think of three standout things from Revolution that I would go back and watch in a heartbeat. So Yeah, I
0: respect that. I feel I think
1: uh, a year from now, again, a year from now, the next Double or
0: Nothing, we're going to look back at this Double or Nothing either very fondly or
1: very, very poorly. I think that's a safe bet. I think that's a really safe bet. I don't think Revolution changed anything per se. To the point where I reevaluated AEW in in anything close to the way I'm thinking about AEW right now after Double or Nothing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, if we're still look, talking about it like this next year, maybe I'll think about this Double Double or Nothing more fondly. Yeah, um, yeah. but if not, then this might be a big reason why. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I think I'm in agreement. I think we're definitely gonna put it as number two.
1: Yeah, revolution number one, double or nothing number two. Of next five, is... because Forbidden Door is next. Oh man, we count that. That's yeah. great.
0: Oh I'm hoping I'm hoping it's not just an exhibition show. I would really like us to get some like build up between now and then. But uh we'll we'll see what happens. We're a month away, we've no matches announced yet. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if we get another twelve thirteen match card.
1: I wouldn't be either, but I do think that a lot more of the big matches on that show are going to be things that if you don't dedicate enough time to them, you are doing yourself an absolute disservice. Disservice, yeah. And to the fans. Yeah, uh, because, again, it was a thing we talked about going into this of how many of these matches are going to break 20 minutes, how many of these matches are going to break 30 minutes. No match broke 30 minutes. Yeah, wild. Only one broke 25. Jeez. And it was the main event and uh, what one other match broke 20 minutes and it was the Anarchy match. And then the Hardys and Bucks was just under 20 minutes. So that's what happens when you have a card that has 13 matches on it. Like you have to cut time somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You are 100% correct.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's a lot
0: that can be said some of it, some of what comes next, I think for this card or for this company, rather some of what comes next for this company is very wait and see, which has been true for a while. Now uh, we have to see more about the MJF thing. Uh, how much of it is, is a work, how much of it is a shoot. Sean Ross Sapp is saying that there's a sit down schedule with MJF and Tony Khan, uh, which we'll see what comes from that. It's, it's weird. Part, so, speculation time, right? Personally, I feel like there was a moment of MJF deciding to no-show the meet-and-greet. He was upset. He was frustrated. He did what he did. And then, I think things were worked out before, before Double or Nothing happened. I do. And I think we're getting worked now. It's... One of the things that was said, Sean Rossap said he talked to MJF after the pay per view, uh, or or after his match rather, and MJF said that he showed up late, worked the match, left immediately. But if I'm Tony Khan, if I'm anyone running a show, and I have to, I have to know what my card's gonna look like. And even here, where things clearly got shifted around to make this happen, and MJF may have left right after his match, I'm pretty sure he did, but. You can't just walk in five minutes before Pyro hits. It's not going to happen. They would have already announced the match was gone. They would have had a, a different plan. But but there's no way MJF walked in at the beginning of, of, like, the night and was like, yeah, okay, I'm here. Fine, fuck it. Let's do the match. There's no way. So at that point, I feel like I feel like it's a work. At this point, it's a work.
1: I played the role of skeptic with Cody. I'm going to continue playing the role of skeptic with MJF. I said to you privately, MJF is probably the only guy in the business who could actually do stuff like this and work people because he blends character into real life probably better than anybody else right now. And I, I don't advocate for screwing over fans that paid money to see you. I don't advocate for screwing over peers that are there to work, and you're not. Um, I, I definitely don't advocate for that, but if there are things going on behind the scenes, and nobody is privy to them, even the press, uh, except for MJF and stuff, then like I feel like MJF is maybe the only guy who can get away with it. Yeah, um, I don't I don't love it. I... I think it's
0: stupid to to work your fans like that, if that's what's happening. People who have paid to see you, specifically you. I think it's, and we talked about this with Cody, I think it's stupid to work your, your locker room. I think it breeds yep. distrust. Especially now when there are people who are openly frustrated about stuff, I think it breeds distrust. And it's,
1: yeah, no, it's fine to work the journalist stuff.
0: <laughs> no that, that's, yeah, fine. that's fine
1: I, working the press i i get it as yeah. long as you're not like uh causing harm by doing so sure yeah um or making you know perhaps making fans pay money for something that you know is not going to turn into it mm-hmm. uh something that they'll get anything for but um the other thing that you did mention before is like it's a lot of waiting to see and i'm somebody with high anxiety so that's where like the pit in my stomach comes from of just everything drops out of oh no (laughs) wait and see i'm trying to be optimistic about a lot of things but i totally can see the slew of ways that this turns into a shit show really really fast and in very bad ways besides oh no mjf might no show and want out of his contract Mm -hmm. or not resign or whatever
0: yeah um and again i think if mjf is gone if he does leave if his uh, stay in the shadow realm is permanent, then uh, I think it's going to be a big statement for AEW talent. And I don't think he'll be the last one to do it. I, I think that there are a lot of people with a lot of legitimate frustrations. And I think that there will come a time when they act on them because what was pitched is not what's
1: happening. Yep. Yep. And I certainly hope that we don't turn into the... Uh, oh, no, Tony Khan promises them the world to re-sign, and then they do, and then he's like, actually, plans have changed. You are just going to sit here, because that's that's just WWE then. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, with that, I, I we are coming up on the end of our time, but I, I would like to end on a positive note. So I will say this. Up until now, Hangman has been... Still the greatest scripted story in pro wrestling. Uh, At least in the modern age. If not ever, at least in the modern age. Uh, And I'm really excited to see it continue. Because the thing with Punk, like I said before, it fits the story. It fits his story. Which is fine. And I can't wait to see him now have to, A, figure out who he is if he's not the AEW champion. And B have to have to deal with some of his demons in a more concrete way. Because winning the title gave him confidence. But losing the title will teach him confidence. And god damn it, put him back with his friends.
1: I'm curious to see his match at Forbidden Door. Tanahashi,
0: Tanahashi, Tanahashi. It's perfect. It's so
1: perfect. It is. Perfect. It is. And I, 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 I don't want a fantasy book now. We'll it can go see. either
0: way. We'll, it, it could safely yep. go either way, and that's awesome. that, that's We huge.
1: will, yeah, we will see very soon, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for Forbidden Door, and that's still something that. I'm glad I can say.
0: Yeah, same. Uh is there anything, uh any any closing thoughts, any last things that you want to bring up?
1: For all the negative, there's still some positive. I the show was incredibly long, but the things that I enjoyed, I very much enjoyed. And AEW still gave me that. So I'm I'm happy for that. And uh yeah, yeah, as you said, hangman is great. I appreciate I think that's what I was trying to say before about the uh the nuance. Of him thinking about do I use the belt, do I not use the belt, I think I appreciate it so much more than just screw yeah. it, I'm a heel now. Bah. Oh <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: And even if this does end with a heel turn for him, I'm I'm glad they're doing it the way they're doing it. Yes.
1: Not just like two seconds, bam, he's a heel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. And I guess that is going to uh that's gonna wrap it up for us here tonight. Uh thank you for checking out this episode and hanging out with us and listening to us, uh, rant rave and praise in some ways, double or nothing. Uh, just as a friendly reminder, because of this mega episode, there won't be an episode this Thursday. Uh, so, we will see you back here next week where we're gonna talk about all the things that happened in wrestling and something else, which you'll find out more about next Tuesday. Um, So, until then, take care. And for tonight, this one's specifically for you, Jeff Hardy. Remember, it's a farewell tour, not a death race. Take care.